Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. The scripture reading before the lesson today comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was, was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Good morning. I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to be uh, turning to a number of passages today. It's important that you get a copy of the Bible in your hands or at least be able to see your neighbors and share it with him or her. You'll... Uh, The sermon will mean a lot more to you if you could see the text. I want you to look around you and realize that you're with your brothers and sisters. If you're a child of God, you're a Christian. These are your people. I often think about how blessed we are on the Lord's day to be in this room with all these people. And we must never stop treasuring that. We must never take it for granted. I had a meal this past week with a number of men. A couple of them do mission work over in South Korea. One of them, who's been my friend a long time, who goes over there, tells of a friend of his who's a South Korean. But because of his raising, he very much talks like a North Korean, which I'm sure presents some interesting situations. But the man I'm speaking of, the the one who speaks like a North Korean, is a New Testament Christian, a devout Christian. And for reasons that are not necessary for this story, he will cross over sometimes into North Korea. The penalty for being a Christian is imprisonment. Could be even more severe than that. And the Christian happened to be crossing a farm one day and he came upon a man who was by himself who was hoeing or whatever he was doing out there. But the farmer didn't see him. This is a true story. The farmer did not see him. And yet he was singing. The farmer was singing. Where he leads me, I will follow. And he turned and looked. And he saw what he believed was a North Korean like himself. Listening to him. And there was a moment they just stopped and looked at each other. And the Christian 
was thinking, how do I respond to this? What, what can I say? This man's in terror. And, and then the Christian began to sing, where he leads me, I will follow. I tell you that story. It's very touching to me. I tell it because we, we are blessed to live where we do, aren't we? We take it for granted. I take it for granted. It's been this way all my life. I must not take it for granted. And the people around me who are Christians, my brothers and sisters, are very valuable to me. And we need one another. If you're a Christian, one characteristic that you share with others is that you want to know everything you can about our our master. You want to know everything about him. And we pour over the scriptures, the details of scripture. And it's, it's, I don't know if, I, I don't, I don't guess people would understand this if they're not Christians, but Christians will sometimes come across a passage of scripture in a narrative about Jesus and will see something they haven't seen before. And because they love him like they do, will become very excited about that. And, and when they come back to this building, they're apt to say, hey, come here, come here. Did you, did you, have you ever seen this? Did you ever see this? This is great. Why did Jesus come to earth? Well, we sing the song. Why did my Savior come to earth and to the humble go? Why on the cross be lifted up? And then the answer, because he loved us so. And if I ask you the question, why, why did Jesus come to earth? Probably what you and I would pick first was that he came to redeem us. He, he came to die vicariously and make atonement for our sins so that we could go to heaven. And you would, you'd probably say that. And maybe you would reference Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. And he came to seek and save that which was lost. But probably... Somewhere in our little list of why Jesus came to earth, we would reference the fact that he came to show us how to live. It wasn't, it wasn't good enough for us that he would merely tell us. We, we, we needed to see it in flesh. And so Jesus came to earth and he showed us. And I do not, I do not think of a, a circumstance where that's more evidenced than with the subject I'm going to talk about today, which is the, the baptism of Jesus. And John the Baptist is going to say... You, you can't be serious. I, I, I don't need, you don't need me to baptize you. I need you to baptize me instead. Which of course made sense because Jesus was God. And Jesus did it to fulfill all righteousness. Sometimes uh, after I've come back from Israel, and Cindy and I have been a couple of times to Israel, and it, it's just uh, changed my life in a number of ways. But one of the ways that I, that I enjoy thinking about is the mikvahs. And I've talked to you about the mikvahs before. The mikvahs were the with the baptismal-like pools. I mean, you see them in the ruins, a lot of them around the southern steps of the temple there where, where 3,000 people were baptized. I always scratch my head about that. How do you, where do you baptize 3,000 people around Jerusalem? And the answer is, oh, it's no problem at all. The mikvahs were there. Now, the mikvahs were these pools that were used for ceremonial washings and sometimes for just regular washings too to prepare oneself to go into the temple. And so, I mean, if you look at the ruins, you just see stone, a Baptist stress, what you would call it. It's got steps down into it. It's clear that that's where water was, was held. And, and, and it's led some people, when talking about the baptism of Jesus and the baptism of John, to, to say, well, James Andrews and I have talked about this many times and, and enjoyed conversation, 
to say that obviously what was happening when John brought his baptism was that people were already used to baptizings because of the mikvahs, the, the Jewish cleansings, the Jewish ceremonial cleansings. And so that this was sort of a correlation to that, but it really is not. It, it's, it's really not. There were four important, are four important differences between the Old Testament cleansings. Can we put that slide up? There you go. Four important differences between that and what John's baptism is about, which is what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about John's baptism, particularly John baptizing Jesus. The Old Testament washings were self-administered. That's never going to be true about Christian baptism. I remember a Q&A session and somebody asked the question about being on a deserted island. If, if I was on a deserted island and I hadn't been baptized and I knew that I could die there all alone, could I baptize myself? And the first answer is no. Second answer is, if I was there, I probably would. I would, I would, I would do anything to try to comply with the wishes of my, my father. I, uh, of course, you'd do whatever you could with what you had. But, but biblically, isn't it interesting that, that Jesus is God and yet followed this procedure of going to John the Baptist and saying, baptize me. Why? Because he wanted to fill, fulfill all righteousness. Fulfilling all righteousness with reference to baptism is, means that you follow this this picture, it's immersion in water, but it's something to which you yield yourself. You can't just go down in water and dunk your head and say, now I'm baptized. It was, it was not like the Old Testament washings because it, it was, those Old Testament washings were self-administered. They were repeated. Of course they were repeated over and over and over again. And while it's true that sometimes a Christian will say, I, I don't feel good about my baptism, typically because in retrospect, person would say I was too young and I, I just don't think I knew what I was doing and so I want to be baptized again. Really it's not again. What it is is that I want to make sure that I've complied with the will of my Lord. But, but the, the ceremonial immersions or, or washings of the Old Testament in those mikvahs was repeated over and over and over again. Why? Because number three it wasn't for the remission of sins. John's baptism was. Jesus' baptism was for the remission of sins. And number, number four, because those, those Old Testament ceremonial washings uh, were not because the kingdom of Christ was imminent. It was just about to happen. And John's baptism was in view of that. What I want to do is to go through the four gospel accounts. The baptism of Jesus by John is in all four of the gospel accounts. Um, I'm going to spend less time in Mark, but I'm going to start in John. And if you'll, if you'll bear with me, I want to go backwards. I want to read the accounts and draw what I think are just very interesting details out of each. And I hope not only that, that you're refreshed by this as we think about our Lord in this moment of time, but I hope that you walk away and say, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't, know that. I didn't see that before because there are some there's some details here that I just think are fascinating. We want to start in John chapter 1. John 1, and let's, uh, let's go up to 25. John 1, 25. And they ask him, saying, why, do, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Talking to John the Baptist. John answered them and said, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus. And this, this brings me to number one of, of eight or nine things that I want to pull out today. And here's the next slide. When Jesus, when God spoke, John knew. When God spoke, John knew that this was God's son. 
Now, this is kind of interesting because I, I probably should say it this way. The confirmation in John the Baptist's mind that Jesus really was the Messiah promised to come was after he pulled him up out of the water of baptism. It wasn't until then. Now, read along with me. I'm in 29 of John 1. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I did not know him. Now, he's going to say this twice. I didn't know him. I, I, I don't have it in my mind that he means, I wouldn't know him if I saw him. I don't think that's what it means. When you get to the second one, the light comes on. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Stop. John the Baptist's name. And he's called, biblically, he's called John the Baptist. Don't think about that as a denominational term. It's not. It'd be, it'd be centuries before the Baptist church would be established. It's not a denominational term. It means baptizer. It means that, that this forerunner of Christ who came to prepare the way for Jesus was a man who was distinguished by baptizing. He was John the Baptist. 32. And John bore witness saying, this is John the Baptist speaking, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he re- remained upon him. Now you remember that's what happened when Jesus was baptized by John. Now verse 33, and I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, come or upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the son of God. It wasn't until the baptism and he pulls him up out of the water and the spirit comes in the form of a dove and descends on him and remains there for a while. And John said, this is what God told me would happen. I know that he is the Messiah. So it wasn't that he just didn't recognize him. I believe it's simply that this is the final confirmation and John knows it. And now John is willing to do what he's willing to die for him. He knows that he knows that he knows. Who told him? Who told him? God did. Jehovah God told him. It's the one on whom the dove will descend. Now let's continue in the book of John. I want to go to chapter 3 now. And here's number 2. Jesus was baptizing too. This is really interesting to me. What is is, uh, the baptism that John and his disciples, and they would perform the baptism, and we'll talk in detail about that. What did you call that? You call it John's baptism. But, But the Bible says that Jesus also was baptizing. And what do you call that? You call that John's baptism. Now, follow me. I'm in, I'm in John chapter 3 now. I want to start in verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them, and he baptized. And John also was baptizing in Annan near Salem because there was much water there. That's kind of interesting. Sprinkling? Uh-uh, no. Immersion. You've got to have a place where there's a lot of water. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. John's baptism is going to stop when he's put in prison. He's been preaching for about six months, baptizing for about six months. Now he's going to baptize Jesus. He will continue preaching and baptizing for about six months more. Then he'll be in prison. He'll stay there for about a year and then he'll be executed. That's about the duration of John's preaching and teaching and baptizing. 25. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. They came to John and said, Rabbi, 
He who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, behold, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. So John and Jesus are baptizing at the same time. Now, I know what you may be thinking. So we quickly jump to chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, here it is, the narrator of this, John has a, this is the apostle John, has a parenthetical note. Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. Why do you reckon it would be, what, who, who would you like above all to baptize you? You know, you go to the Jordan River today and you'll have long lines of people and, and they're, they're being baptized in the Jordan River. Why is that? It's because they're trying to get closer to Jesus. And Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. That's why. And you know the truth, of course, is that being baptized in the Jordan doesn't help you a snap. It's, it's, that's not what it's about. Yeah, but what if I could be baptized by Jesus himself? Well, the problem with that is that you'd be real tempted to brag about your baptism. Yeah, you were, you were baptized. Well, I was baptized by the Lord himself, right? That, that can't happen. We're careful when we travel to foreign countries from West Huntsville and, and teach the gospel and people are baptized. We, we tried. I've, I've never baptized anybody over there. I've been instrumental in the, the teaching and people being baptized, but we have the people there to do that. For the same reason, not, it's not the same degree, of course, but we don't want people saying, hey, you know, you, you were baptized by one of our people, but I was baptized by an American. Jesus didn't baptize, and I assume that's the reason. The point is that his disciples did. So here's, here's detail number two, is that Jesus was baptizing also. Both of them simultaneously were practicing what I think for all practical purposes is John's baptism. And, um, and that's what's important here. And it, it continued for John until he was, he was imprisoned. Now here's number three. I want to go now to the book of Luke, chapter three. Luke three. Here's Luke's discussion of the baptism of Jesus. 15 says, and as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. John answered, saying to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now drop down to verse 21. The point I want to make here first is that there were lots of people there when he was baptized. Now when you picture the baptism of Jesus, how have you pictured it in your imagination? Do you picture just John and Jesus by themselves down in the water? Don't do that. Don't, that's not right. There were many people. Now here's verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. Now here's Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to throw this on the screen. Matthew 3 and verse 5. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around Jordan went out to, to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now how many people you reckon that was? It seems to me altogether possible. That the number of people that Jesus and, and John baptized before the crucifixion exceeded, could have exceeded what happened in Acts 2 in number. There was a great crowd of people. And, and the Bible says that when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also baptized. And I don't know exactly what that terminology means when I try to picture it in my mind. I wonder if Jesus, it means Jesus stood at the end of the line. He wouldn't have just walked in and made it to do, I don't think. But he, 
Uh, I don't know what that means exactly, except that there were lots of people there when Jesus was baptized. And that's number three on my list. Here's number four. When Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, he prayed. He prayed. Have you pictured that? Here's verse 21 again of Luke 3. Came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. I'm going to give you one more verse before I leave this. I don't, let's go to, to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Great. I, I do not know the content of that prayer. I, I can imagine it. I tell you what he didn't pray. He didn't pray, Father, thank you for giving, for forgiving me of my sins in the waters of baptism. That's not what happened. He had no sins to forgive. We'll talk about that in a minute. But his prayer must have been for his ministry and for his influence for the people around who believed him. But I'm going to show you one more little detail. I don't know if you'll find this as interesting as me, but this Greek word, here's Matthew 3.13. Back, come back, please. There we go. When Jesus, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? The word came. Now let's go to the Greek word. Thank you. Here we go. The Greek word for came uh, carries the idea of making one's public appearance. Isn't that interesting? There were a lot of people there. And Jesus now is, is in the beginning of his earthly ministry. And, and when the baptism happened, it appears that there were a lot of people present. 22, and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you're my beloved son. And you I'm well pleased. I'm going to give you one more thing before we leave this point. Drop down to the next verse. Jesus was about 30 years old. It kind of helps you to know about how long the preaching of John was and where we are about the age of Jesus. Now, now let's go to number five. I want to go to Luke chapter seven. This is our fifth one. Now Luke chapter seven and verse 29. And the point, the observation I want to make is that the baptism of John, of Jesus, was the will of God and was for a limited time. To what degree did God intend for people to be baptized with John's baptism during this time? I'm telling you, God was serious about it. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. What do you call people who reject the baptism of John during that time? And the answer is, they rejected the counsel of God for themselves. I'm telling you, God was serious about this. It was the will of God that people be baptized with this baptism. It was binding. Now, it was for a limited time. If you lived in that time and you, were, you heard the preaching of John or the preaching of Jesus that was the same, the kingdom of God is at hand, and that you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, then you were obligated to do that. You were obligated. And when Jesus came and died on that cross, 40 days later, the church was established at Pentecost on that Sunday. And 3,000 people were baptized. The difference was that, that they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now something is different. Now something is new. It's the same baptism in that it's, that it's for the remission of sins and requires repentance. 
But now this is the final baptism. When you get to Acts 2, that's the final one. And people today, you and I, if we were baptized or if we're going to be baptized, it will be with what Ephesians 4.4 calls the one baptism. That will be it. It was, it was temporary. A couple of illustrations of that. When you get to Acts chapter 18, you remember Apollos was a great, great preacher. But when he was preaching at this time, he only knew the baptism of John. And Aquila and Priscilla heard him preach, and they, they realized he was behind the times. And they went, the Bible says they taught him the way of God more perfectly. They, they let him know that, that Acts 2 has happened, Pentecost has happened, the church has been established, and now that baptism of John is obsolete. Don't preach that anymore. When you get to the next chapter, Acts chapter 19, you have 12 people in Ephesus, and Paul is talking to them, and he says, do you have the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't know anything about that. His question was interesting. Well, under what then were you baptized? See, because there's a difference between John's baptism and the baptism of Acts 2, where the church began. And it was the gift of the Holy Spirit, miraculous gifts. Unto what then were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Oh, well, that's the problem. It's obsolete. And so he teaches them uh, where we are now. And the Bible says that they were baptized and Paul laid his hands on them and they received the miraculous gifts. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it was, it was the will of God, seriously, that people follow John's baptism, but it was for a limited amount of time. Now, go, go with me to Matthew chapter 3. Now we get to Matthew chapter 3, and I want to start in the first verse. Let's make two or three observations. Verse 1. In those days, let's go to the next slide. There we are. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one, this is about John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. <coughs> Excuse me. And John himself was clothed in camel's hair, leather, leather belt around his waist, food was locusts and wild honey. Now, what was the purpose of the baptism, or I should say, what was John's purpose? And the answer is to, to say, prepare you the way for the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. When you turn the page to chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus said the same thing. So they're, they're united in this. And again, the baptism of Jesus, the one he, his disciples were doing right then, was John's baptism. So number six is... This baptism was to prepare people for Christ's kingdom. Bear in mind that, that this passage prophesies from Isaiah that John the Baptist, he's not named that way in this, this but it's John the Baptist, was to prepare the way for Christ, the, the, prepare the way for the kingdom. How did John go about that? Well, his name was John the Baptizer. So you see just how integral was the, the baptism of John in preparing the way for Jesus. All right, number seven. Drop down with me to verse 5. I'm in Matthew 3 and verse 5. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, all the region around the Jordan, went out to him. Again, a ton of people. And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when, they, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, O brood of vipers, this is John talking, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. This one is, it was accompanied by repentance. He was talking to them about their sins. When they obeyed 
uh, John's baptism, they were confessing their sins. Now, I want you to always remember that in becoming a Christian, while both repentance and baptism are necessary, baptism is not the hard part. Baptism is the easy part. Go down in the water and, you, you know, we used, to, we used to be baptized as children in the swimming pool when we were just playing. We were doing that for fun, not for anything else. It's not hard. Being baptized is not hard for most people. It's, it, it's an immersion in water and somebody administers that and they pull you up out of the water. The hard part is the repentance. The hard part is to change your mind about sin. The hard part is making this kind of a commitment that says I'm going to be faithful to him all my life. That's the tough part. John's baptism involved repentance. Now here's the, here's the number eight. It's the last one on this part of the list. Verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water to repentance. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm confident that fire there is hell. This is about repentance and forgiveness so that you can go to heaven and avoid hell. The bottom of verse 12 says, he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. He's talking about hellfire and how people avoid it. And the baptism was for, this is number eight, that baptism was for the remission of sins. Look at Mark chapter 1 and verse 4. So can we throw that one up? There we go. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. It is for that reason that people didn't have to be rebaptized after Acts 2 if they had had John's baptism. And sometimes people ask the question, who baptized the apostles? Well, they, they were, I'm convinced they were baptized with John's baptism. It was for the remission of sins. I understand that Jesus hadn't died yet. So it was like the forgiveness that came to the people of the Old Testament who were righteous. It was in view of the fact that Jesus was going to die on that cross. And John's baptism was for the remission of sins. And again, you have the the 12 men in Acts 19. They They were baptized. They had to be baptized again. Why? Well, because they were baptized with John's baptism after Acts 2, after the church was established. Before I stop, I want you to take one last look at the Lord being baptized. And what you see is perfect innocence. So in Matthew 3 and 13, 14, John the Baptist was shocked because, see, he understood that baptism was for the remission of sins. John had sins, but Jesus didn't. It didn't make any sense to him. Why would you baptize me? I need you to, I mean, why would I baptize you? I need you to baptize me. That was because of remission of sins. It was because Jesus didn't have them. I need to be baptized, he said, by you. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Peter says he made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Or Hebrews 4, 15. We don't We don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted in all points like as we are in this clause, yet without sin. Look at there. Look at him being baptized. I'm telling you, he was sinless. He was the perfect man. He'd never committed a sin, not one. He was a perfect example of obedience. Here's Matthew 3 and 15. His response to John was, no, no, you go ahead and do this. Because I want to fulfill all righteousness. It wasn't because he needed washing. It wasn't because he had sins to forgive. It was because he wanted to be a perfect example for us. And show us how to obey. 
And number three is when you look at him, I want you to realize you're looking at the Messiah. Matthew 3 and 16, that spirit descended on him as a dove and the voice from God in heaven said, this is my beloved son. This is my son. He's not just a great man. He's not just a great prophet. He's the son of God. And John the baptizer baptized him on that day. Now, folks, there was another baptism. And it's interesting sometimes just to, to take the scriptures and go through the different baptisms. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 38, the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus and said, you know, we, we'd like when you come into your kingdom to sit on, on one side, one hand, the other hand. And Jesus said, are you really able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink from? Now, you know what that is. I don't think they got it. Do you, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? He's talking about immersion and suffering on that cross. <clears throat> they said, oh, yeah, 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 we're, yeah, we're, we're good with that. He pitied them and he said, yeah, well, you, you will be, but it's not mine to give to let one of you sit here and one of you sit there. Today, Ephesians 4 says there's only one baptism, one. And, and the, this preparatory work and the beauty of the baptism of Jesus and all those people who were baptized by John the Baptist and his disciples of Jesus and his disciples, Jesus never baptized anyone culminates into this. There's one baptism. It is baptism based on our repentance. It's baptism that involves our confession. uh, That Jesus really is the Son of God. And it's immersion in water, administered by somebody else, and it is for the remission of sins. Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you been baptized? What we have today in this lesson is a picture of the Jordan River. Lots of people around. Jesus and John the Baptist, and he's baptized. Why? Why are you being baptized, Jesus? And it's because he knew there would be days like this. People listening to the gospel. He wanted to be the perfect example for you and me. If you're here and you haven't obeyed the gospel, but you're ready to do that, that'd be a great time. If you would like to study some more about it, just come to me after this service is over and I'll be happy to study with you about this. If you're a Christian, but you need prayers of the Christians, wouldn't this be a wonderful time? We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.